Hi, welcome to the Penis Project podcast. This is the place to come to find out everything you've always wanted to know about men's health but were too embarrassed to ask. Join physiotherapist Dr. Joe Milios and sexologist nurse practitioner Melissa Hadley Barrett as they talk to real men and the experts about men's private parts. Have a burning question you really want to know the answer to? Please subscribe to our website at thepenisproject.org and just ask us. The greater the length, while the greater the strength, the more time I've got for you. There's too much talking, texting, tweeting, posting. Too much noise altogether. And silence is strength and peace and space. Imagine silence forever. The Penis Project podcast is proudly supported and sponsored by PROST, Exercise for Prostate Cancer, and the RS Health Penile Rehabilitation Program. PROST is a not-for-profit charity set up by myself in 2012 that aims to help men exercise during their experience with prostate cancer. If you want to know anything more about PROST, including our online service and USB product now available, please just go to prost.com.au. Hi, I'm Melissa Hadley-Barrett and I designed the Penile Rehabilitation Program to help men recover from prostate cancer. It's an online program built on decades worth of knowledge and experience and practice. It's the only one of its kind in the world and it actually works. So if you've been diagnosed with prostate cancer and want to get your penis working again as quickly as possible, and why wouldn't you, then visit penilerehabilitationprogram.com and you'll be off and running. And it only takes about 15 minutes a day. All the best with your recovery, which I promise will never be as bad as you think. November 11, 11am, 60 seconds, kids watch Welcome to the Penis Project podcast. Today we are going to speak about something we've never done before, which is we're going to meet Jason, who has a chondrosarcoma in his right pelvic bone. Well, he did have... And we're going to talk about his cancer journey, how he was discovered, and then eventually we'll get to how I came to meet Jason uh, because we end up eventually getting to some sexual issues that came from having cancer removed in your pelvic bone. So welcome, Jason. Hey, thanks very much. Nice to be here, Mel. Thanks. And we've also got Kendall today as a guest co-host, and we're both going to ask Jason lots of questions, and hopefully he'll do most of the talking, and we'll find out all about it. So... First up. Hey, Jason. Um, Kendall. <laughs> so I always like to sort of start when I help Melissa do podcasts is to talk about how did you actually find out that you had something wrong with you? Yeah. Uh, so a year before the op- a year before the operation, um, I was playing cricket and then I just could not walk off the uh, cricket field bowling leg spin. So I knew something was wrong then. Um, I'm ex-army back 10 years ago and I thought maybe just a sore hip all along the lines or mobility issues. So started doing a lot of my mobility sort of stretching um, along those lines. And then um, six months before the operation, I had um, blood come out of my, um, of my backside. And all the lads was like, oh, that's just from training, you know, don't sweat it. And I was like, oh, that's fine. And then um, for moving further on to that, closer to the discovery of it, um, Going to the toilet, I was stop starting, stop starting um, with u- urinating, etc. All that, and, um, and then oh, I was at work, and I was doing yoga in the gym, and then I've literally, literally finished yoga and I left there, and I could not walk, could not walk, and then um, one of the high people up there who worked for Chevron sent an email around saying, "Who's this guy walking around um, with an injury?" Um, so I quickly got discovered that it was myself walking around and I had the next day off and I uh, went and saw the doctor and they sort of came to a conclusion that I may have um, a potential baby hernia on my right hand side. Now, Sorry, in your groin? In the groin, yep. yeah, in, in the groin area. And he goes, I can't feel anything here and that's why he suspected it's a, it's a baby hernia because it hasn't, hasn't um, broken or anything like that. I was like, yeah, no dramas. Um, went home. That was all well and good and then got some physio, um, dry needling just to try to loosen up the area because, again, it was really starting to affect me here. Flew back up to site, um, told the HR people I've still got an issue on there and I sort of just felt that everyone's just looking at me going, oh, is this try guy trying to get workers comp? You know, yeah. there's nothing really wrong with him. There's no hernia here. There's nothing there. And then... Um, and Jason, just so people know, how, how old are you? 
I was 34 at the time, yeah. 35 now. And like to look at you, no one can see you, but you're a really obviously fit guy. So they'd be looking at you going, what the hell's going on? Yeah, is, correct. Is, it was, is he just being a malingerer? Yeah, that's the word. Yeah, yeah. that's that's correct mm. word. So I'm ex-army as well. So I know exactly what the <laughs> malingerer means. It's yeah. And yeah, so I felt out of place. And then um, I work on, on my own with a job. And then I was picking up a dewatering thing and to put it back in the ute. And it just felt like something completely snapped in my, um, in my hip or pelvic area. So I didn't really know what a, what a pelvic was back back then, but I just felt like something completely snapped, and um, I immediately dropped to the ground and started crying. And again, I was there by myself, and I was like, I can't tell work this, can't tell work this. You know, they always, as you said, think I'm a lingerer. And then yeah, just I went back to the office, and they just saw me hobbling around, and they're like, "Mate, what are you done?" And I was like, "Fuck, don't tell no one here, don't do it." <laughs> and then obviously, once someone knows, you know, it gets passed Everyone passed up. Knows, yep. And then yeah, so they took me straight to um, the medic bay and saw the, saw the same doctor, um, and he goes, "Mate, it's it's uh, it's a hernia. <laughs> it has to be a hernia. Like, it sounds like you've done it." Anyway, so due to their credit, they um they flew me off Barrow Island um, immediately within forty five minutes. Mm-hmm. And then they sent me to the doctor to get a ultrasound, and I got I got pretty angry at this um at this doctor um, who was doing the ultrasound because I was told there's a there's a hernia on my right hand side of the groin, and all he's doing is putting a gel and his wand over the top of my penis area, and I'm like, mate, the hernia is on the right hand side, like fucking, how about you go have a look at that? <laughs> and <weird>. he, <laughs> And he sort of just told me, you know, keep quiet, mate. You know, he goes, oh, have you had any bowel cancers or anything like this in your, in your history of the family? I'm like, mate, what are you talking about? You know, fucking hernia. You know, I'm starting to get, you know, pretty angry. And I started switching on that things aren't, um, things aren't too good here. Mm. Then he says, kind of just tells me, oh, Jason, uh, I'll be back in a second. I just got to go speak to the doctor. And he goes out and consults someone else, presuming a doctor. And he comes back and he goes, mate, go, go back and see your doctor. And didn't tell you. So this was a nah, radiologist. Radi- it, radiologist. Was, yeah. yeah. So they didn't tell me what was going on, but just by their body language, I could tell something wasn't right. And I rang dad up straight away. And I said, mate, this isn't good. So that was, that was Friday. That was Friday. Yep. And when, what month was this? That was 21st of November. Last year. Last year. 21st okay. of November, 2022. Mm-hmm. That was Friday. And then, um, so I went and saw the doctor on monday and he confirmed that yeah there's something there jace um we don't really know exactly what it is can you go do a ct scan or you know and he goes i'll book you in for the following monday mm-hmm. if i call you beforehand it's bad news and then yeah one of the toughest phone calls i had don't really remember it but um tuesday at 8 a.m the phone rings and yeah it's the uh it's the doctor saying jace yeah it's cancer mm-hmm. and yeah that's uh that's pretty much what yeah I don't remember anything for the next five minutes in conversation with the doctor. I was like, what the fuck's happened here? Did you um, have someone with you? Like- no, no, I was there by myself. At that, it was eight o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. Um, called dad straight away. Um, don't really remember what I said at all. <laughs> um, he rang mum. Mum's calling me. Everyone's crying and shit like that. I was like, God, I can't, I don't know what the fuck's going on here. Um, the kind of last thing I remember from the doctor, he's like, I've already been in touch with um, the cancer ward. Someone from the cancer ward is going to call you. And uh, they, we'll take it from there. And I was like, okay, no worries. And as I said, I, I couldn't remember anything. So I rang the doctor back up and said, mate, I don't, I don't know what you said. You know, can I come see you, please? Mm-hmm. So he was, he was pretty nice, nice of him. And he said, yeah, come on down. So I walked down, down the road to him. And yeah, and as I, as I walked into the building, uh, the cancer ward called me. Oh, yeah. yeah. And I started talking and I'm like, mate, I don't even know why you're calling me, eh? Mm. <laughs> and I was like, can you please give me a call back in, say, two hours? I'm just with a doctor now. We're going to go through it. Mm-hmm. So I already knew things were, weren't, weren't great. Uh, the doctor walked me through what it was and what the scene it was. Um, yeah, there was a large lump over the pelvic bone um, that was protruding inwards. So you couldn't feel it. Ah. So that, that was the... The, the cliche over and you just could not feel it because of um it was protruding in and then yeah so following there was more mri scans and uh, biopsies from there um and so what did they do the biopsy through your hip no they went through the groin okay yeah mm. top of the groin because yeah that's where the um lump the, that the, they could the see in there yeah yep. so, so in retrospect yeah so basically penis up probably about three, four centimetres from there was a yeah, it was a big internal lump. Okay. Yep. Um, so did you notice any erectile changes? 
leading into it if you think um and I, was, I was laughing about it at the time so every time i had sex um and i would i would come so to speak mm-hmm. um i would literally be stuck in in her if that makes sense like mm-hmm. i couldn't pull myself out so i sort of just had to roll roll off is that because you couldn't have your hip couldn't move as much? Yeah, just just froze. Oh, um, okay. Yeah, from okay. coming as a as a male, like you, you give it all pretty much. It's a, it's a nice <laughs> little uh, <laughs> So yeah, sort of just got stuck in stuck inside, and then you had to roll off, and it sort of just laughed it off for a period of time, and right. um, and then even um, knowing when I had I've had this cancer and the lump there, I was still having sex, obviously, and um, well, yeah, not obviously, if you're a man, obviously, <laughs> yeah, yeah, if yeah. you're a woman, it's like. That's the last thing on your mind. Yeah, it was always happening. It was always happening. So that first appointment at the doctor, what did he say? It's treatable. We don't know. What, what's the next step? Yeah, so he didn't give me any advice. Mm-hmm. It wasn't his forte, so to speak, but they directed me to the specialist team. Mm-hmm. So they were the first ones I met, and I pretty much met them, I think, two or three days after the diagnosis. And that so was, it was at Charlie Gardner? Sir Charles Gardner. And what happened in those two or three days? What did you do? Just sit there going, I don't know what's going to happen? Yeah, it was, it was a wild thing. Felt sad for myself. Um, had a lot of friends, because I'm um, ex-military, had a lot of friends um, representing um, DVA um, mm-hmm. claims, you know, do they look after the cancer pay- um, mm-hmm. payments or is it Medicare? Mm-hmm. You know, where do I stand with a lot of things? So no one knew what was going on. It was mm-hmm. just, yeah, family was flying over, um, people were just surrounding me with a bit of support. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Work was shocked, you know. Mm. <laughs> um, but, yeah, that's one, one thing I want to say is like how good my work was with all the um, upcoming bills, mm-hmm. um, scans, anything like that. It, it wasn't workers' comp. Yeah, and but it, they still covered. They covered. Good oh, on them. Yeah, they covered. And mm. even um, even to today, they still check in and... Yeah. Who, did you, who did you work for? We better uh, give him a plug. Yeah, Chevron. we give him a plug. Yeah, it was Ertec. Ertec at Chevron Island. Mm-hmm. Brilliant, brilliant yeah. company. Yeah, mm-hmm. they really looked after and yeah. Cool. Proud as punch as those. But yeah, let's link, let's go back to um, when I first met the specialist. Yeah. So that was three days after. And by God, when I, when I met them, I felt safe. Ah, good. Yeah, I felt safe. Didn't know what was really going on. I didn't know there was two of them in there. Um, Doctor, well, so Professor Kerry Richard Smith. Oh, he's known for these things. Oh, what a man! So like, oh, what a man! <laughs> yeah, what a man! Um, and then there's the other other one was Elaine, Elaine or something. Oh, I can't really pronounce her name too well, but yeah, nice, beautiful young lady as well. And she was the, I guess, second in operation there. But mm-hmm. I didn't know that at the time. And then we had this uh, lovely lady, Jackie, uh, lovely, lovely nurse, and. Uh, Professor Richard Carey Smith starts talking. He goes, "Do you know what's going to happen here?" And I was like, "Oh, I heard it's a bone cancer." He goes, "Well, what do you reckon it's going to happen?" I'm like, "Oh, I'll probably just go in there, shave the bone, and we'll kick on." Mm-hmm. <laughs> 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 he kind of laughs at me. I'm like, oh, "All right." And he goes, "Mate, I he goes, what sort of person are you?" I said, "I'm a straight shooter." So he got some bad news for me. Shoot it. Did you take someone with you to this appointment? No. Nah, so I live in WA by myself. Oh, okay. So at this point in time, I didn't have any family around mm-hmm. and. I could have had mum on the phone, but yeah, I was mm-hmm. pretty much right there. But mm-hmm. as I said, there's a beautiful nurse, her Jackie. Yeah, she was right beside me. So when the when he delivered the news, which I'll tell you right now, was he goes, JC, our job is to save life, then limb. But it's life first, limb. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I was like, what do you mean? And then he just mentions amputation, mm-hmm. and yeah, that was me gone. Yeah, f- tears rolling down the face, couldn't mm-hmm. speak, couldn't listen, nothing. And then, yeah, Jackie just. Still feel her presence on my uh, right hand side. Just, just touch me, saying it's all right, Jace. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, then the bastard, Kerry <laughs> uh, Smith. He goes, however, <laughs> <laughs> there's amazing technology around, um, mm-hmm. 3D scanning and things like. That. We're gonna send send you away. We'll get X-rays and etc. Like we'll get um, a prosthesis designed up um, specifically for yourself, mm-hmm. and then I will go to work and we will cut out your your bones, mm-hmm. and uh, we'll put you back together mm. and that was the sort of underlying question that uh that was in my head you know so you, sorry you go did you say how many of these have you seen before how I, many I of these did. have you done i did ask that question <laughs> and they said i would be the poster boy you're right. the first i one. am the very first man in australia to go through this but what they said to me was i will have the gold standard um, team mm. looking at this because it's never been done before in Australia. Mm. Um, my research since since then, there has been a few operations around the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, what I found is only 12% survival rate. 
I suspect that's because generally this sort of rarity of the bone cancer affects people in their 60s plus. Um. And I totally concur with that. I If I was... 60 plus or 130 kilos plus I don't think I would have survived this operation Mm -hmm. just because I've known what it's taken for me to get back to where I am and Mm -hmm. as I said I'm a fit healthy sort of lad and young so so did they say like why you got it like do they know yeah so my my understanding is um it's that it was a cartilage that just laid dormant for years on years on years and just yeah I guess just woke up one day and just had enough and mm. started eating yeah, the pelvic bone. So there was a bit mm-hmm. of floating bone around there. So did he explain to you then that you might have an amputation, but his aim was to try and basically rebuild a pelvis and your hip bone? Yeah, that's spot on. That is spot on. So if the prosthesis didn't work, well, then it would have been a loss of loss of limb. Yeah. And, um, and we're talking amputation. It wasn't from the kneecap. The amputation would have been from the pelvic bone. It would have been from the hip down. Hip down. So yeah. that's completely loss of, loss of leg. Yeah. Um, I don't know where, you know, each to their own, but my, my conclusion, and I spoke to family about this, that if I was to lose my right leg from, from the limb down, that I chose not to proceed on with life if things, um, were to go down that road during operation or yeah, something like so that. so you were like, if I have to lose my leg and I need recess, I don't want to. Yeah, correct. Mm-hmm. Um, and did they let you make that decision? So there's there's laws around. Um, it's out of my hands. Mm-hmm. Um, when you go in for major operation, you generally have one or two people that will need consent. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it would have been up to my mother and uh, my friend Elaine to mm-hmm. make that call. But I'd previously told them that, yeah, if the limb was to come off, then yeah, and something went wrong. Just don't wake me up. Okay. My my understanding is that they do have to wake you up, mm-hmm. and they will still cut your limb off. <laughs> so, yeah. So lucky, lucky it didn't go wrong. Yeah, correct. So, um, as I said, everyone's like, "Oh, go back to Queensland. There's good health system over there." And I was mm. just like, "No, nah, I'm sold on the team here. I've met them. Mm. They seem, yeah. I was just completely sold on the team." Um, if, if you look on my Instagram, yeah, I've got a good history there. And as I said, I was just absolutely sold on the team to do this job. Yeah. I'll put your Instagram link actually yeah. in the show notes. No dramas. So what did he say then? He said that, so what, how did they make the like bionic hip? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's again, technology, man. It's, it's bloody amazing. So they x-ray with MRI, CT scans. They, they had everything. They had the picture of the cancer that um, a picture of what bone needs to come out mm-hmm. they had all the angles set to go and then um, they sent what they needed to to New Zealand and that was the delay of four to five weeks as okay. to why yeah those five weeks before the operation so you had to sit around with five weeks with this thing growing in your leg yeah yeah so and they, it doubled in size in that five weeks. Oh, I was going to ask, yeah. did they do radiation or chemo to keep it at bay? No, no. no. So with this sort of um, chondrosarcoma cancer, um, whether you caught it lucky or not, each their own on that one. But the way I, I was referenced to me was uh, imagine termites in your, in your home. If you cut, cut it from the left and you cut it from the right, you pull that wood out and that's your termites gone. Mm-hmm. Now it's the same with this um, chondrosarcoma. You cut it from the left, cut it from the right, rip it out and... Gone. Yeah, that should it's be gone. gone. Okay. Um, so the biggest risk was um, if it had bounced around, mm-hmm. which it hadn't. It was localized at this point of time of diagnosis. Um, and then the question was infection. If there was yeah. any infection there, then the loss of leg w- would have been um, the severity of it all. But um, again, they did an amazing job and yeah, legs intact. So in that five weeks, what did you do? Um yeah, so I had a lot of friends sort of just take me out. So in my head, all I wanted to do was train. All I wanted to do was build this right leg up, you know, to make it as strong as possible. So you just wanted to go <laughs> to the gym? Okay, so just just wanted. Yeah, 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 yeah. Here we go, here yeah. we go. Again, just wanted to get that leg right. I yeah. want to tell everyone, piss off, I've, I'm going to do this, I'm going to fight this. But then your friends come over, and then it's one beer after two beer, and, you know, the, the old war stories come out, and, you know, they're just one of those things then. I ended up flying to Queensland um, to see uh, my family, mm-hmm. just to check in with them and, you know, in case things did go wrong, you know, go see their nieces and nephews and kiss and cuddles and, you know, mm-hmm. make sure they're right and, you know, your uncles will be all, all good. Yeah. So I had one of those things and then, yeah. And then you went on a party rampage, if I remember, when you, I met you the first time, you told me. Yeah, yeah. It was like, this is my last life, I'm going to use it all. Yeah, it was, it was one of those things, you know, 
no one can really question you on how you can oh man, I don't know the way to say this one if you're told you've got five weeks to live you know what, what are you going to do no are you going to sit at home and just you know, watch TV or you're going to go out and you're going to have a great time you know you're going to meet new people you're going to party or you know mm-hmm. I guess I chose to enjoy those yeah. five weeks because jump out of a plane or something <laughs> <laughs> no look I'm an idiot but not that stupid <laughs> um, no I just thought you know I've got a some lovely people around me and appreciate time with them and yep. yeah and, so. and could you sleep in that time um so that's a question i can't remember this yeah, is so there's blur. so much that i just can't remember i have to I have to speak to elaine i'll go speak to other people and say mm-hmm. can you walk me back through this um you know because I, I just don't remember mm-hmm. um i've spoken to a few psychologists and since then and stuff like that and yeah ever since i ever talk about the cancer i just start welling up Falling mm. and I was like, oh, I'm not ready to talk about this just yet. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And so then, what, so when did you finally get the surgery? So they they got all the bionic hip made. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> they then, did. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, it was I think it was sixth or seventh of December was the operation, and um, they, they tricked me pretty well. So I go into the the room. Uh, my mum and Elaine were there, and we all had a kiss and cuddles, and you know is what it is and then the other time was to get wheeled in and you know, I was pretty pretty good and all I wanted to do was speak to you know the professor um the other guys and say guys whatever happened you know best of luck and thanks very much for having a crack here and um they come in there's you're all in a circle room and um with all other patients and they came in and they gave me a pen and all or something else just to take the, the the edge off it I'm like yeah no worries and then about 10 minutes later someone walks past he goes oh you're still awake <laughs> I was like, fuck, what are you talking about, mate? <laughs> and then I remember just getting wheeled into um, an, an atheist room, I think it's an atheist, I think yeah. it's how you say it. And yeah, that's it. I do not remember a single thing, no. you know. I was like, yeah, I'll wake up. And um, next time I spoke to the professor, I'm like, did we speak? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's like, yeah, we did. I'm like, fuck, I don't remember anything. <laughs> so how long was the surgery? Uh, surgery went for 10 hours. Wow. 10 hours. And um. Full credit to my mum and Elaine. They were there from... So I was the very first to go in. So I was at 6am in the morning. Mum, I think, left that hospital at 11.30. I think Elaine had to go home at about 8pm and Mm -hmm. I still wasn't out of surgery or they couldn't come up and see me. Uh, I think there's a bit of complications of me trying to come out of... um, Imagine that surgeon though, that surgical team. Imagine the exhaustion trying to do that. And, you know, it's the first time ever. So they're like experimenting you yeah. know aren't they yeah. like, I think I'm the only one really right now that can really appreciate just how good of a job they did because you're not talking just cutting a bone here mm. you're talking shaving the bone on a right Pacific angle because you've, you've already got a, a, a prosthesis that's already pre-made so that mm. needs to fit perfectly can't mm. be short can't be long that bone has to be cut on the right angle shaved and everything like that and and if you see the photos, which hopefully might get posted up later after this, you'll see what sort of muscles, ligaments, tendons, and whatever you want to call it, is surrounding that area. And, they had to like reatta- and also, you just think about, I've got had chippies at my house in the last week, and the amount of times they've cut it a couple of mils short and yeah. had to recut it. Imagine yeah. if you did that in there. <laughs> twice, cut one. Exactly. And, and that's what I'm saying. Like, I've used a saw and things before, and then after a while, you're just like, oh, fuck this, and you just hack it, you know? But these guys have to be so precise, precision, and mm. clean too. And again, I'm the only one that can really go, wow. And then on top of that, the poor anaesthetist has to try and keep the rest of your body working while it's going through all this stress. Yeah, when you, again, another another wowy factor on that mm. one. You know, I don't really pay too much attention to that one, but, you know, I woke up with a catheter in the back and, you know, mm. so how did that get in there? I thought yeah. that was only for females. <laughs> <laughs> and so just just talk us through which bits aren't real anymore. Which parts of you are the bionic man? Yeah, so... The right pelvic is gone, completely gone. Part of so half of your pelvis isn't half it? the pelvis is gone. So mm-hmm. the entire right hand side of the pelvis is gone, um, and I, would, I think it's your hip. Yeah, I think that's it's, right. I think it's hip. half the hip is yeah. completely gone and uh, attached by a metal. Yeah. So you have hip replacements. So funny enough, I was always trying to Google, you know, or YouTube what this operation was, and all I kept, kept on coming up was hip replacement. Yeah. I'm like, oh, that's cute. <laughs> <laughs> And now I know what, what's happened. I'm like, every time someone comes to me, goes, oh, what's wrong with your leg, mate? And I'm like, oh, I tell them, they're like, oh, I've got a hip replacement too. I just roll my eyes and I'm like, that's cute, mate. I reckon you should tell them you've like been bitten by a shark or yeah. something. Yeah. That's I'll, what it looks I've like. got a little son, 20 months of your age. So when he starts to piss me off, I'm like, yeah, yeah. I might throw him in the ocean and say, mate, there's sharks out there. <laughs> <laughs> and um, they gave me um, a, 
a replica of the prosthesis they put in me oh, with they? my with my hip and um, tailbone and things like that. So you actually see what's going on there. Cool. So yeah, I'd be able to tell the son, you know, mm. that's the shark's head or something like that. Yeah, <laughs> you know, exactly. the shark got that's me. Cool I've got the father. So how long have you got with this prosthesis then? So that's so. This is a very good question. So it's all about what quality of life I'd now choose to live. Mm. So my rehab has been pretty spot on. I'm 18 months ahead of um, expected schedule. However, the specialist has said to me, he goes, Jace, you need to understand something here. You can run, you can skip, you can do anything you want to do. No dramas at all. That's fine. You, it's your choice. However, this prosthesis will give way at some point if you keep putting torque pressure through that joint. You know, okay. it will give way. Then infection will come and I promise you, you will take your leg. Right. He goes, this is designed to stay in your body for three to four decades. Yeah, okay. This will be with you until until you, you, you pass on. However, if you want to be a young Yahoo and champion mm-hmm. and you go destroy that, well, then you can... So no snowboarding. No snowboarding, no running. My mental health days was, yeah, was anything wrong with me, I'll go for a run. Yeah. So can you take up swimming? Yeah. So take up swimming. Um, I don't. It's, <laughs> it's just so boring and it's yeah, crap. I can't is. swim. Um, but we'll get there shortly. Mm. But yeah, bike riding. Bike oh, riding okay. was the number one thing that brought me back. Great. Yeah. Okay. But we'll get there because that, yeah. that's later yeah. on the journey. Yeah, we keep going. Yeah. So the operation took place. Um I was day three, still laid up in Sir Charles Garden Hospital, and um, they come in with great news. Um, They've gone, Jace, it was a success. You are cancer-free. Wow. Yeah. So a little bit emotional there. And I I gave mum a call. And when I gave mum a call, because she had just flown home. Uh she Yeah, just had flown home. And um, I was just bawling. Yeah. Bawling. And she's like, fuck, what's wrong, Jason? Jason, talk to me, talk to me. I'm like, mum, I'm cancer free. <laughs> yeah. So I'd be a bit emotional to myself. That's okay. I would be too. <laughs> I feel emotional. <laughs> <laughs> it's not my hip. And um, yeah, she started crying too. And then he and my sister crying in the background. And mm-hmm. yeah. So it was a pretty, pretty proud moment that mm-hmm. obviously legs intact, cancer free. Did you have pain like post-op? Oh, excruciating. Yeah, excruciating. The biggest fear that I had, and I was like, please knock me back out, was mm. a cough. Ah. A cough. A cough was the biggest thing that scared the hell out of me. Because mm-hmm. um, where they cut me and things like that, and I couldn't, I couldn't sit, I couldn't mm. walk, I couldn't bend, I couldn't fold, I couldn't go anything like that. So any slight of a, of a cough, your abdomen, everything just squeezes, mm. and it just felt like it would just tear me apart. Mm. So I wonder what Did they, they give you like a cough pillow. Like um, I couldn't, yeah, couldn't, Im- I couldn't immediately because of my um, mobility issues. Okay. I c- couldn't get there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, one of the nurses had a little trick, and she goes, "Jace, here's um, here's um, honey. If you feel a little tickle in your throat, mm. um, pour honey down there." Great. And yeah, God oh. bless her soul because oh, yeah. I was sucking on the honey a lot. Okay. You know, any side of, you know, a cough or something like that, just honey and, yeah. So did they have to, they would have had to have attached all the muscles, like your pelvic floor muscles back in there and everything, did they? Yeah, yeah, everything, oh, um, internal stitches. I, I don't know the arm um, on the numbers of the internal mm. stitches or, and oh, external. But, um, yeah, the scar is, it's monstrous. Mm. Yeah, if you get see the photos, it goes mm. from the left pelvic all the way to the right and then from the right probably about, one a quarter down on, on my hip, or the um the quad, sorry, and then a quarter way up towards the stomach. It does. Yeah. It looks like it's been bitten mm. by a white pointer. Yeah, big big scar. Mm. How long did it take for that wound to sort of heal up and um, close over? That's a good, another good question too. I'm gonna say probably. Well, I discharged myself against medical grounds oh. uh, recommendations eight days after surgery. Why? 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 Mm. Yeah, that's another question. Um, they sent me to a rehab hospital. Yeah. And at this point in time, I couldn't walk. I couldn't do anything like that. I had taken zero steps. Um, but I got to the rehab hospital and I was just, it, it just cooked me. Mm-hmm. It just cooked me. I, and no, no disrespect to the hospital at all, but I didn't see a physio within 24 hours of being there. Mm-hmm. Um, I, was in, I was sharing another room at the time with an older gentleman who snored and stuff like that. And 
and I just started um, seeing a, a lady, um, Elaine, and she was with me pretty much. She came and saw me every single day, and um, she came to the hospital and she just saw it in my face like this that I'm cooking, mm-hmm. just really cooking here. And um, I don't believe in God, but something has lined everything up for a perfect reason. So in my house, for no reason at all, I've got a twenty-four thousand dollar king size mattress. Mm-hmm. I've got an eight thousand dollar eight meter like, comfy couch is this just because you um work fifo and just boys buy toys just something like that yeah <laughs> and um i've got a peloton bike for no reason yeah. <laughs> you know just yeah. just everything was just at home set up for this perfect timing yeah everything and then she goes jace do you want to go home mm-hmm. and i was like yeah i do mm-hmm. yeah and fair to occur um the hospital by mistake because I checked myself out against their wishes. They sort of got angry and yeah, there was no wheelchair for me, no crutches, not a single thing. They just said, right, I mate, get out of here. That's not very judgmental. And I was like, what about my pain medications and stuff like that? And they gave me the bare minimum. Yeah. So I was literally on my own and, um, Elaine had a, had a few friends that, you know, different sections of things. And I had a few mates that had, um, Mc- mechanical aids and stuff mm-hmm. like that so they all came around and dropped off stuff and and i remember on that very first day um my mate trent uh collier he brought over zimmer, zimmer frame over <laughs> and um yeah i remember i counted the steps i took 196 steps wow th- that day i've gone from zero steps and to meant to be laid up in hospital not yep. moving and yeah to going home and taking little baby steps and 196 of them and you also saw a private physio, didn't you? I did, yes. Yeah. Jen. Yep, Jen. So, But that was still probably a month and a half after the surgery. Okay. So you went home and then you just kind of did your own rehab. Yeah, you, you could say that. So the first month was just a lot um, laid up on the couch or bed. Um, so you also got to think about going to the toilet. Mm. I couldn't sit down, couldn't get there. Um, Elaine saw things that no woman should see. <laughs> she's, she's an angel. Yeah, it really is. I've got all the time in the world for, for Elaine, and she knows that too. Um, going to the shower, different things as well, you know, keeping um, the bandages dry, et cetera, like that. And mm-hmm. yeah, she, um, it's funny, we're obviously a sexologist. <laughs> she went to the shop and she brought this bell back and um, it said something, ring that bell for sex. <laughs> <laughs> But that was the one you rang so she could wipe your ass. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> Little red bell. Ding, 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 ding. Yeah. So I, I found that pretty funny. Pretty but um, funny. yeah, she she tried to get me out of the house as much as possible. Um, yeah. Yeah. Bless her. And yeah. so what did your surgeon, surgical team think when you discharged yourself? From? I don't think they originally knew because you don't really link up to your specialist team like that. Right. Okay. Um, they've got patients on patients yeah. on patients, you know, once you're once their job's done, they sort of bounce on the next one and then they'll mm-hmm. check on you yeah, at different times, I guess. But mm-hmm. yeah, the rehabilitation hospital, they were not impressed at all. Yeah, yeah. I, um, I even had, oh, I'm going through family court. I won't talk too much about mm-hmm. that at all. But on the 9th of January, so probably my, a month after the surgery, um, I put in my affidavit that I will walk into family court unassisted, um, no sigma frame to show the courts, you know, that, you can that I, I can do this. So I walked in there and did exactly that. And the judge was not impressed at all. Mm. He's like, what? So you, you discharge yourself against all mm. um, recommendations, all orders, you know, is this who you are as a person? And, you know, mm. how dare you do this? Mm. And then funny enough, I just had family court uh, last week and there he was going, oh, well, well done, Jason. I can't believe this is one of the best turnarounds there is. <laughs> Righto, champion. <laughs> I think I said to you, like, it sounded to me that very first time I met you that, as crappy a thing this has been, it's probably changed you as a person for the better. It certainly has changed me for the better. Um, when I w- when I went back and see my specialist for the first time, he goes, Jason, do you know what stoic is? Stoicism. And I was like, I've never heard the word. And he goes, well, take this, go home, and see what you think of it. Mm-hmm. And at the time, I just ignored it, put, put the paperwork down. And then, funny enough, it was just on the computer desk and Googled it. And then uh, Marcus Aurelius' names popped up. I'm like, oh, the gladiator. <laughs> I'm like, okay, no worries. So I clicked on his name on the link and then went, just went down a rabbit hole. And what he was trying to say to me was, Jason, understand this cancer got you. You can't go back. He goes, whatever happened, whoever you were pre-Jason is not the Jason that will ever be back. It's gone. The sooner you accept that, 
you can move on. And I was like, oh, yeah, 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 no dramas. And he's just looking at me in the eye going, shut up. <laughs> you have not accepted this. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, yeah, I have, I have. It's all good, I'm fine. <laughs> and, yeah, I find it funny because, yeah, I clearly had not um, accepted that I'm not the same. the same guy. Even now, I, the reason why I try be so physically strong is because I just want to prove to everyone that cancer didn't get me. I'm fine. I'm back. Jason's good. He's healthy. Yeah. But the fact is, you know, I'll never run again. I'll never be, I'll never kick a football again. Mm-hmm. Um, walking, I, I am walking. I'm walking fine. Yeah. Um, so there is a quality of life that has been given back to me. Mm-hmm. So I need to protect that. Yeah. 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 Cool. And so that was, so we've got now to, you went back and saw him and then he told you what you can and can't do in the future. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, what happened next? Like, what were you doing? Because you were obviously at home, you're doing your rehab, and you met Judith Thompson at some stage, the physio. Yeah, so, 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 so let's um, link back a bit. Um, so this is when I sort of came seeing you as well. So I knew that I was, I was in a bit of trouble. How many uh, months post-op? I think it was maybe two months. Yeah. Two months post-op, I think it was. Mm-hmm. I knew I was in a little bit of trouble with um, my sexual health. Mm-hmm. And by that, um, I knew what sort of size penis I had on erection. Yeah, so let's tell us this because let's face it, every man has measured his penis oh, at yeah. this stage. There's not one man out there, and if there is, you're lying. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, we, we all measure it. You know, I could tell you by my forearm, by my fingers, you know, thumb to <laughs> this. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, pretty much. So we've all got that, you know, in our phones and you know, in our memory bank there. So I had a 16 centimeter um, erection penis, mm-hmm. and then. I started masturbating, you know, just out of boredom, I guess. And then I was just like, what the hell? You know, this isn't the same size as I'm used to. And it also didn't go properly hard, did it? No, no, there's a lot of issues. But I, I didn't really worry about the hardness, pure the fact, because I knew there was a massive, massive operation. Mm. But I was like, why have I lost four centimetres in erection here? Mm. You know, from going from a 16 centimetre erection to a 12 centimetre erection. I was extremely concerned, you know. Everyone was taking the piss out of me, saying, "Oh, Jace, you know, tell them to put another inch on the penis." I'm like, "Yeah, fucking hope they will." <laughs> Funny enough, yeah, I lost a lost an inch on it, yeah. you know. And I, I googled everything, you know, what, what the hell was going on here, and and all I think it was like is prostate cancer the main mm. the main one. And everything in Google just kept linking me back to prostate cancer, so I went down that rabbit hole, and then with prostate cancer, they're saying, "Oh, you might lose 0.5 centimeters, or maybe one centimeter max." You know, but in three three months' time, it'll come back. And did anyone at any stage in this journey talk to you about your sexual function? Zero, zero communication yeah, from anyone. Just you going, I'm trying to get my penis to work, and it's shorter than it used to be. Yeah, and it's not quite as hard. But well, it was like a, a shock. Again, so I'm not sure we said this at all, but I'm the only person in Australia to have this operation. Yeah, so they wouldn't have known either. No one, no, no one knows. But, but, we but do pelvic know. surgery, we, we know this. Yeah, we know yeah. that any pelvic surgery negatively affects your sexual function. Yeah, okay. Yeah, but, yeah potentially. Who knows? Um, I don't believe the conversation was ever had. Um, maybe they did, but I just didn't zone in or listen or, yeah. Yeah, and so when you, so when all your Googling, and finding prostate cancer led you to Judith Thompson, the physio? Uh, yeah, correct. Yeah, correct. So I, I met a female just walking the street and she, she sort of heard my story and then she goes, oh, I'd do this, but I think what you need is a pelvic floor specialist. Yeah. And I think uh, women are, who have trouble with birthing sort of stuff like that go see these sort of people. I was like, yeah, right. I'm like, fuck, I need help. Mm-hmm. So I gave them a call. And uh, again, beautiful people. I rang up booked myself in and I get a phone call back and they're like what the hell yeah. <laughs> um can you explain to me what what you're you've written in a our letter to, to this and I told them and then next thing I know I get another phone call back saying oh Jace we'd love to have you in um it'll cost you nothing but there's gonna be a few people watching <laughs> you know just uh um what the hell <laughs> you know yeah. Yeah. so when I went in there, there I think there was like three or four women in the room yeah. um all asking the same question like what the hell you know, we've never seen this in our entire life before. Um, they did, what would, you, what would you call it? An ultrasound on, um, is it your gooch? Yep. Where, yeah, your yeah. perineum, yeah, yeah. gooch or your chin rest. Yep. Yes, right. Yeah, that's the one. Yep. So what they wanted me to do was um, sort of just contract my penis and let go, contract, let go 
on their sort of like on the counting time and um it came back and i was about seven seconds they said mm-hmm. and they said that indicates that you have a functional penis however you're very weak in your pelvic floor yeah. sort of area like that so if you need you need to uh, i guess improve mm-hmm. pelvic floor muscles as a as a man you know you don't really hear about that. What is a pelvic floor? Yeah, exactly. yeah. Most men don't know they've got one. It's, it's all, f- a yeah, it's all females. Your pelvic mm-hmm. floors, you know. Mm-hmm. Sure. So when I understood that, I was like, okay. So they taught you how to do that? No, no, no. That is, uh, they sent me to you. Uh-huh. So yeah, they, they 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 referred this on. They referred this on. So I was like, ah, oh, bounce again, bounce yeah. on to someone else. Yeah, yeah. Because I got a referral from Judith, and then you came to see me, and we were like. I was like, wow, I've never seen this before. Oh, something I did want to say is when you showed me the picture of the tumour, it was like 10 centimetres in diameter, isn't it? Or something? Yeah, so I think it's a 12 by 12 by 12. It's huge. And so anyone listening, if you look in the show notes, there'll be a, um, we'll put the, we'll email them out or you can just go into the show notes and you'll see photos of this. It's unbelievable. Yeah, it's a uh, size of your fist. If you're a male, pretty much size of your fist. Yeah. Mm, Bigger than a cricket ball, put it that way. Mm. So can I ask, going back to the sexual function, was there any loss of sensation or changes in sensation? Yes. Yep. Um, so my right quad, I can't feel um, just because they cut the, the nerves and the muscles there. Mm. And then same with the penis. So on the base of the right hand of the penis area, um, I can't feel anything. And then if I shave my pubic hair, it feels like someone's putting a pin in, someone's pricking the top of my right side of the penis. Mm. It's very weird how the nerve runs up there. Um, and then if, even if I just touch it, it feels, I can't even describe how it feels, maybe a burning sensation. Um, yeah, that's nerve pain. Mm. And is that changing over time? Hopefully that will improve with time or is um, it staying the same? That's staying the same at, at as it is at the moment, the feeling of the right quad is slowly coming back, mm-hmm. getting a lot more act, um, feeling there, which is good. So it's a good indication that things might mm-hmm. regenerate from there. Um, but when you're talking about um, intercourse and sex, oh, I, I, I can feel oral. Mm-hmm. I can feel oral, um, but can't feel down near the base. Okay. Can't and feel what it about down. if you have penetrative sex? Can you? Does it feel good still? Or? Yeah, still. Yeah, still feels amazing. Um, I'll be completely honest. It hasn't really occurred that many times. Mm-hmm. I've had a few sexual partners since the operation. Um, but when you're talking about this, you're talking, you know, erectile dysfunction is now coming in. Mm. You're talking mental health. You're, mm. you're talking um, external factors that you can't control either. Yeah. You know, and. Um, when I saw a psychologist on, uh, about sexual health as well, I was like, I've got the most gorgeous woman in front of me and, and old mate, she's like, meh, who gives a shit? <laughs> you know, he, he cares. And she's looking at me going, what the fuck? Like, mate, you're cooking from your head down. Like, yeah, well, you've got a bit of stuff on your mind. There ain't no signal through there. <laughs> oh, I'm like, fuck. You know, so again, I go to the doctors and they're putting on, they've put me on um, five milligram of Cialis to take per day. And then they give me 20 milligram of Cialis to, uh, to have uh, before sex. Mm-hmm. So I'm eating like 80 milligram, 100 milligram, going, here we go, baby. <laughs> Get to the bedroom, that down. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, okay. Yeah. So is it not working? Because I haven't seen you for ages. Is it not working now? Or? At times. So, yeah, at times. So it is, sexual health is a lot better now. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's look at last night. I had a lady come over and took I took Cialis and stuff like that and, Dead, dead to the bone. Didn't work. Didn't work. Yeah, okay. Dead to the bone. But then, like, 45 minutes later, just spontaneously, you know, up he came. Oh, did you give it enough time for it to work? Yeah, yeah. So I took it an hour, two hours okay. before. So it was definitely enough time, you know. Okay. I was getting sexually aroused. Like, she was doing everything that, you know, that should have turned me on and did nothing there. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, just 45 minutes later, you know, a, when there was no sexual chemistry at all, just bang, it was up. And I was like, okay, babe, we need to... If we need to take advantage of this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Did it, work that time? it did. Yeah, okay. it Maybe did. Maybe it's just taking a little bit longer oh, to no. work for you. Like, yeah, as I said, I don't, I don't mind this at all. So the mm. sexual um, partners I've had at this stage have been very, very um, understanding. Yeah. 
So obviously I've got a nice scar there and things like that. So it's pretty obvious that something's something's happened. And I walk with um, they call it a gait, which is um, a limp. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's pretty obvious that something's occurred to me. Yeah. So yeah, I, I can't hide it. So mm-hmm. when when engaging conversation with females, I'm, I'm pretty straightforward with everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and to to the credit. Um, you know what's going through my mind right now? I'm thinking, you got this numb bit on your penis. We can teach you how to do injections. We've got an absolute amazing yeah. one and we'll just stick it in the dump bit. You won't even feel a thing. Yeah, right. Now I'm smiling. Yeah. <laughs> right. yeah, that's what we're going to do All right. Okay. So <laughs> funny, funny this. I've got, I've got a mate. I'll give a shout out to you, Benji. <laughs> he goes, mate, why don't you uh, stick your fingers up your own ass and, you know, try to play with a gooch or, you know, try to find your G-spot and see if it releases uh, <laughs> and find a few, a few more centimetres. I'm like, oh, mate, that's not my thing. <laughs> so every time I speak to him, he's like, oh, how's it going, mate? Have you done it yet? <laughs> so I've had, um, I, I have had a female um, try to find that area, mm. but yeah, it did nothing for me. No, yeah, did nothing at all. It's not for everybody. Yeah, just yeah. felt like a, I don't know, just felt like a retard. So what about now? What's next for you? Like, what? how is this? So you've finally been cleared to go back to work. I have, I have. Um, still a bit of a stand down there. What's next for me? I would say, according to my specialist, is my rehabilitation is on point, eighteen months ahead of schedule. However, there's not a thing I can do to make these nerve endings grow faster, fix themselves any quicker. So, take your time, relax. If the body wants to sleep, let it sleep. Don't fight it. Yeah. Um, Mental health, um, stoicism, really understand that life will change, has changed, is going to change. You mentioned earlier before, we didn't really tap into it, but I really have become a better person. Yeah. So tell us how. Like, what do you think it's changed in you? I've got a lot more empathy now. Mm-hmm. Um, life isn't about me. Mm-hmm. As strange as it is, like everyone's like looking at me going, mate, Jesus Christ, what a, what a story. But I'm looking at other people going, how can I help now? You know, what's around me? You know, I see other people walking the streets or things allowed and look at them and, yeah. But I see that a lot. And you would also with our guys who've had gone through prostate cancer, they become very strong advocates for other men to get checked. Yeah. And, Mm. you know, so it's not left so late. I think that's with a lot of people. Yeah, I do too. And I also think that when you go through something really terrible like Mm. this you've been to a hospital and seen other people are going through stuff too but when you're just already a well young person you don't know what you don't know Mm. it's not until you start hanging out in these places that you go hey other people are doing this yeah and and again yeah i said it earlier you know how selfish i was to think that i would not want to wake up with a loss of limb because you just walk down the street and you see someone in a wheelchair or you see someone in crutches with with um amputee or something like that and you see a smile on their face yeah. And I just sit there going, what a coward, you know, for me to think like that. Mm-hmm. If you, you can't judge anyone or anything like that. But ever, if they had taken the, the leg off, that would have been life. It, it is what it is. You can't change anything. Yeah. But to look at other people and go, well, your story ain't so bad. Or, you know, everyone looks at me going, fuck, you're bad. But I look at other people going, hey, you guys, how are you? You know, mm. how can we resonate? And, yeah. Yeah, that's cool. And so if the same thing happened to you again, would you choose life with no leg or no leg, no life? Yes, again, it comes down to personality. But Um, you now, now that you know what you know, what would you choose? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, Now that me son's in me me forefront of me mind, Mm -hmm. it's take both legs, no dramas. It's sweet and no dramas at all. Purely on, yeah, I want to see him grow. And also... You've proven that you can live a fulfilling life with a disability. Well, yeah, it's a, it's an incapacity mm. um, disability. I've I was cleared to get the um this disabled sticker for the car and everything like that, and I chose not to. Put on the fact that I was entitled to it. Um, I was immobile. However, I was still able to walk. Mm. I was still able to be functional. And there's people that aren't. So I felt, how could I take up a car bay because I, the doctor said I can have a sticker. Mm-hmm. So again, there's a, a, there's a proud factor about me and that's probably why my rehab's been on point that I don't accept this condition. I mean, to look at you, like no one else can see you, yeah. but like you're absolutely tank. Like yeah. you're obviously working out a lot. Yeah, yeah. So and what, what we didn't cross is like, how did I get myself back up mm. and going? Oh, yeah. um, 
So I can't run, can't walk. I'm on a Zimmer frame. And then I'm like, well, this sucks. Mm -hmm. this, this absolutely sucks. And so I live on St. George Terrace and I've, right above there, you've got um, Jacob's Ladder. So it's about 8.30 at night, still, still pretty sunshine at this hour. I think it's like January, maybe early February. And, um, so we're talking like eight weeks off. Yeah, eight weeks off. Yeah, I should never have done it, but I did it. Stubborn little bastard. And there by myself and, yeah, took Zimmer frame up to Jacob's Ladder. <laughs> parked it aside and held, held the rails down and held the rails back up step by step, step by step. And, and I you did Jacob's Ladder. Did Jacob's Ladder, yeah. And I'm telling you, like, my leg could not raise that height without assistance. But for some reason, putting your leg in that position with a bit of a calf skip steps and all that, it just was a perfect thing for the hip to give it that little uh, room to actually make it work. Oh. And obviously having the rail there, a bit of a stabilizer was really good. And then I was like, well, let's go ride on the bike. And I tried to get on the bike. Mm -hmm. I could not get on the bike. I, oh. I could not stabilize, hold on to anything to try to get my good leg to swing over because I couldn't put any weight on the bad leg. Oh. And you can't swing the bad can't leg swing can't it doesn't swing. I, I couldn't lift the bad leg to the pedal at the lowest level. Oh. I could not lift it that high at all. So I went to a bike shop. I think and we should change that. Actually, I think we could, should call it the lucky leg. The lucky leg, yeah. Not the bad leg. Yeah, the it's lucky. a lucky leg. It's still there. Yeah, that's the one. That's the one. So my, my last name's Lecky, and yeah, lucky Lecky, lucky they call lucky. me. Yeah, <laughs> it goes with it. Um, anyway, so I went to the bike shop and showed him the scar, showed him a story, and I saw this bike there that's cut out the whole entire middle bit. Yeah. It, yeah. And so I brought that for twelve hundred bucks, and um, I took it home that day, and I could slide my good leg through the through the middle gate mm -hmm. and put it onto the pedal and. Then yeah, I'd push the left pedal forward and sort of hook the right leg up there and just that motion of the left leg pushing the right leg over and over and over, it was extremely painful, but in my head it was like, pain's good, you know, the leg's not going to fall off, it's not going to break, but mm -hmm. I knew myself that it would create blood flow there. Mm -hmm. and I knew blood flow would be the ideal thing to repair it. Mm. Against everyone's... Um, advice against the specialist advice against the um, my physio's advice my mum calling me <laughs> get off the fucking bike <laughs> <laughs> I was uh, going around Swan River every single day really? yeah around Swan River every single day if I had taken a fall I would have been in the world of hurt you know mm. I couldn't even imagine what sort of pain that would have been and such a lot but again I wasn't trying to race anyone mm. I was just going for a Sunday stroll so to speak on the bike just creating that blood flow and but what it did for me was my mental health too. Yeah, because it got you outside. Got me outside. I was cooking in, in my apartment, not going anywhere, and sun on the back. It's one of the best things for, um, oh, I don't like the word depression, but when you're sad and out of it, yeah, mm. a bit of fresh air, yeah, exercise and sun on the back. It was just, it was just a perfect, perfect mixture. Mm -hmm. and, right. and yeah, away it went. And then um, I've always been into push-ups and chin-ups, and mm -hmm. yeah, and that's all I did was push-ups, chin-ups, and Jacob's Ladder. Wow. Yeah. And what about now? Are you going to the gym <coughs> and lift, you look like you're lifting weights? Again, no, I don't lift weights, just push-ups and chin-ups. Yeah, ride the bike, um, Jacob's ladder. And I'm looking at Kenny's That's face. confusing me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, no, that's, that's all I do. Um, so I've just started now doing, um, what would you call it? Oh, I should know the word for this one. Deadlifts. <laughs> Deadlifts. Yeah. Don't get me wrong, it's only 10 kilos each side. Mm -hmm. But it's a range of motion that I'm extremely proud about that you know the, the body is actually going to the um deadlift motion yeah so. it's a particular like lean down up and yeah down. correct and you yeah, gotta hinge bend down. yeah hinge at your hip and things like that and originally you you try that and it'll just it'll just feel disgusting like it feels like everything's just clicking it feels like your muscles are folding on themselves or it was just disgusting but yeah now it just seems like it's good i can feel that your right hip is extremely weak so it wants to slide out all the time. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, that's why it's just light weights. Just, yeah, okay. yeah. So it, what's your job normally? Like, because it sounds to me like you kind of have this innate understanding about how things move. So I was a former, so former um, combat engineer in the army, uh -huh. um, personal trainer at Fitness uh -huh. First for four years. Right. <coughs> um, currently I've got my own cryptocurrency company. So I do a bit of trading, um, but yeah, so also the army and the personal training kind of explains yeah. the understanding of mechanics, body, body. Yeah, correct, and perhaps um, that stubbornness 
mm-hmm. to not accept defeat or become a victim. Mm-hmm. So that's a, a real word that I'm trying to get out there. Um, is well, I think it's resilient. <laughs> yeah. like you're just incredibly resilient. Yeah. So I listen to David Goggins a fair bit. and um, It's a can- accountability mirror. So I brought my accountability mirror. Oh, so every every single day I'll walk up to it and I'll write a quote on it or something that I heard someone else say or something that resonated with myself and I'll just look in the mirror and just say, well, you're the only guy that can change this. You know, I can't ask you to do the push-ups. I can't ask you to go for the bike ride. It's, it's, it's you. <laughs> it's you and only you that can change the output in life here you do the work the you know you, you'll get you reap the rewards if you don't you, you will be what you will be and that's what i'm saying about the um the victim mentality um i hear it and i see it a lot in a lot of people um i wish them well obviously but i just can't resonate w- with that i just can't i can't accept a quality of life that isn't one of the best and what about change the way you ate or how much you drank alcohol or anything like that yeah that's another thing so i did let i did let myself down um very badly with alcohol mm-hmm. um don't really know why well probably because it numbs the pain people yeah. do that just because they've had a hard day at work let alone they just had half their leg removed yeah fair <laughs> yeah fair <laughs> again you know I, I get extremely hard on myself yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I do get extremely hard on myself and so be it but um i did have a very poor um, relationship with alcohol mm-hmm. um yeah I'll, I'll leave it at that i don't want to go too mm-hmm. much into that one but yeah it did have a very bad relationship with alcohol but then there's times where you step the, you step the line you say something wrong to someone close or something or you do something yourself and you go whoa that's enough like you, you've yeah. gone way you yeah, you push the boundaries here and then yeah you look back in the mirror and you change your ways again you get back on the on the bike you get back in the gym and away you go again and don't know it's something that i always found that you know there's a line and sometimes if you cross that if you cross that line you can check yourself mm-hmm. and then yeah you can make adjustments where i think some people just don't care and they cross the line over and over and burn bridges and yeah so what's your relationship with alcohol now especially in social situations yeah so two weeks two weeks over now um i'm about to do dry july oh, sober um i've just reached out to a lot of newspapers and um 60 minutes and stuff like that to see if they want to cover my story right. because mm. I, I i am the only man in australia with this um condition so to speak can you put your link so that we can in, give me the link we'll put it in the show notes so if anyone wants to donate to jason's dry july yeah please yeah i'll certainly uh, link that up but yeah oh, my goal is I'm asking, I'm asking the question all the time. Why me? Mm-hmm. Why did work, why do I go back to work? Why do they pick up the ultrasound? You know, why do I have that bed in my apartment? Why do I have that couch in my apartment? Why do I have a, um, the peloton in my room or in the apartment? Why did I save my leg? Oh, why did I have Elaine, Elaine come into my life at that point in time and just be a, a wonderful soul? Mm-hmm. You know, why, why am I still here? Mm-hmm. And, what i'm sort of starting to piece together the end picture looks like it's my turn to give back to people mm-hmm. it's give back and I'm, I'm getting a lot of passion from getting my story out there um i'm getting a lot of phone calls and a lot of messages you know supporting um this sort of endeavor on myself mm-hmm. where that will lead in the next few weeks months time i don't know mm-hmm. you know that's a question that hasn't been written yet but i'm definitely here for a reason and i i need to explore that mm. yeah so <laughs> If nothing else, which is a big thing, is that you can encourage other people that you can actually overcome massive adversities Absolutely. just by being stoic and mm. resilient and stubborn. Yeah, mm. abs- absolutely. And I guess, you know, I hope that my direction in life heads down this road and, mm. you know, some sort of something comes of it and I can get that message out and support where I can and guide where I can. And yeah. Seems to me like you should become a, like, Rehabilitation PT. <laughs> <laughs> uh, unfortunately, I don't. I don't have the patience. I don't, I don't have yeah, the patience. I, go, I can't do it. And you go. Look at this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh. So I was out um, Saturday night sober, and I bumped into a friend, and apparently he, he he uses my photos to motivate his work crew. You know, you guys tell me you can't do this. Well, fucking have a look at this guy. You know, you don't you don't hear him bitching or anything like that. And yeah, so I heard that and felt 
felt pretty cool. Yeah. That is some motivation or people remember my story and link link it to things and yeah. Well, I think that's why we do this podcast is that there's nothing more powerful than a real life story. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I already say, unfortunately, it's my story. But something I always say, I always say is I'm glad this has happened to me and not any of my family or my friends. Mm-hmm. For some reason, I've had 34, 35, 36 years of experience to overcome this situation. So if it happened to anyone else, I don't think. It would, I think it would, would be a totally different story. But I also think that maybe it's fortunate that it happened to you because you sound like you like yourself more now than you did mm. before. Yeah, yeah, spot on. Yeah, mm. abs- absolutely spot on. You know, I, I do love myself and I think you have to when you go through adversities like this. Mm. You've got to find your purpose, you've got to find your why and, you know, right now it's the mirror. That's my accountability, you mm. know. And then, as I said, what the next six months looks like or years, you know, it's still unwritten. Mm-hmm. Whether it's my son to pursue him as a mentor or as his father, have more children, you know, who knows? You know, just well, the doors will open. Yeah. yeah. Mm, that's great. That is an amazing story. So is there anything else that you feel like we haven't talked about that you'd like people to know? <sighs> Sexual health, it's, it's a big one. And as every man is, you know, I'm still, I'm still searching for answers. Mm -hmm. I'm still searching for answers. Um, more credit to females in my my opinion for understanding, um, their sort of care factor to be zero, Mm -hmm. I guess, um, be very sympathetic. Well, there's something you said earlier, actually, before we started recording was Mm. that every sexual experience you've had since then. No woman has cared that your penis is an inch shorter than it was before. Yeah, well, I'd like to come back on statement right now and say that's uh, sitting around 14 centimetres. And like, <laughs> <laughs> give, me, give, me, give me a little bit of credit back. <laughs> yeah, that's that pump I gave <laughs> Yeah, that's the one. Um, but yeah, correct. Not a single female has gone, Jesus Christ, you know, this is small or not the right size or not working. And I say this all the time and no one believes us. So you've said it. Anyone listening that has a penis, I know we don't and we say it, but Jason has a penis and no one cares. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah well, if two girls can get together and use a, use a strap on, I guess, you know. That's right. You don't need one with a 12. <laughs> <laughs> um, and the, I guess the more Googling you do as well, you know, the common length of a penis too is, you know, around 8, 10, 12 centimetres exactly, as yeah. well. So maybe I was a little bit bigger in size, but then the average size, you know, for my readings, about sixteen as well. So it's yeah. it's, it's one of those things. I think something that does play with my mind is, and it's purely my mind only. It's when you take your girl, you know, as yourself, how far you can pull back and how you how you can enter in and what it feels like. And yeah, I guess still at this stage right now, I've, I still haven't had a real hard erection mm-hmm. where i feel like i'm the king like i feel like i can just control dominate and be the rooster yeah mm-hmm. i haven't had that yet and it it does really frustrate me piss me off we're gonna fix that either kendall or i are gonna stick a needle in it all right all right <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah again you know it's still almost seven months out of the biggest operation of my life it's yeah. it's not all doom and gloom and more action and um erection is coming back Mm-hmm. So just yeah. And my takeaway yeah. message for any health professionals listening, no matter what the health issues you see a patient for, ask them about their sexual health so they have mm-hmm. the opportunity to tell you if it's not the same, so that they can get help. Yeah, no, I do agree with that. Um, something I do really agree with as well is it is a lot of it is upstairs as well. Yeah, definitely. If you think you're not going to perform, well then you ain't going to perform. Yep. Um, if you don't trust the person. Then yeah, things probably won't work either. Um, what I found is really good is companionship. Yeah. When you can talk to the your partner and say, "Hey, whatever happens, happens," you know, just stay with me, hang with me, and yeah, it, mm. that's probably one of the big, biggest things that I found has brought my sexual health back is having that security that you won't be judged or anything like that. That was probably one of the biggest things that's brought me back to a. Sound, sound in mind, I guess, um, mentally. And also, you still have 
perfectly functioning hands and mouth. Like there's a heap of other stuff that yeah. goes on without Yeah, yes, hey, that's another. That's a, that's <laughs> another um, very interesting conversation there in itself, is intimacy. Um, so. As a 34-year-old and younger, younger, I thought my intimacy was just, fucking, let's get it in. You come, her come, or whatever, but, you know, if I can just get the job done. I thought, I thought that was interesting. Wham, bam, way we go. Now I've learned to hold hands, um, yes. kiss the neck, kiss the breasts, you know, the thighs and things like that, and you know, appreciate the female body with massages, touching, you know, the forearms, the side of the arms and stuff like that, just general arousal sort of stuff like that. And, and in turn, I actually like that myself, that sort of turns me on yeah, yeah. So you probably are a much better lover now than you were with a 16 inch working penis 16 inch all right all right all right <laughs> oh, <laughs> say that one more time <laughs> and again all right all right all right <laughs> well yeah. on that note yes i reckon we should wrap it up thank you so much mm. and i'll just say again that we're going to put in the link to jason's dry july and we're also putting his Instagram link and we'll put the photos, photos. because mm. I think a lot of you will be really interested to see the photos. I, Kendall saw them for the first time when Jason got here tonight and her eyes boggled. So the rest of you need to have a look. Yeah, if I can say one thing, um, if anyone does wish to speak to me, um, please reach out. I'm, I'm more than open to having a conversation, more than happy to meet and greet. And, you know, I, I don't know what you're going through, but I'm a living, breathing, talking specimen that are... Uh, yeah, Instagram, and Facebook. Email. Yeah, yeah. Um, just Instagram, Facebook. Facebook. I'm not. I, I don't mind my full name. Um, yeah. Okay, we'll put those putting out there. In. Yeah, that's yeah. mm, great. Do you got anything else you want to ask? No, no. Kind of just blew me away. This story. Yeah, thank you. Lives inside me. It's been there all of my life. Hi, I'm Melissa and I hope you enjoyed the podcast this week. Just a reminder, if you've been diagnosed with prostate cancer, I've built a penile rehabilitation program just for you. It's an online program packed with information, exercises and advice along with proven strategies that will get your penis back in working order as quickly as possible in about 15 minutes a day. If you like the sound of that, then please head over to penilerehabilitationprogram.com and you can start straight away or there's a link from the RS Health website. We would also love you to review and subscribe and share this podcast so we can help more men. Links to Instagram and Facebook are in the show notes. We look forward to seeing you there. So spread the word that help is available. All the best for now. Bye. I've got a boy of my own now It fills me with pride To see him growing so fast into a man His victories become mine I cry his tears